0: Hey, everybody, this is Reuben, and you are listening to Amazing Stories.
1: Hollow, like a seashell, swept
2: onto the shore. Hollow, like a story,
3: waiting to unfold. Harlem by Lucy Catherine. When, will you love me when I'm gone? When the time of twilight is over, a murder of crows will gather, flocking in from all corners towards their gallery in the branches of a blackened tree. The flood, the fire, the storm. The death shudders of everything that once was. The murder gathers to bear witness, to share in the horror and the beauty of the end when one shall be tested. The outcome will decide the nature of a new beginning to follow. Are you sure this is a good idea?
2: The Blackwater Lane allotment site, Thursday, just before the break of dawn. No, no. I just can't think of a better one. The being that once presented itself as my father spent all his free time here. It's the only place I can think of where I might learn something about him. About who he really was, what he was, and why he was in my life. Should I still use the masculine pronoun for him? Does a machine have an identity, or does it only have a serial number?
3: What's a security like? Antique, I hope. No motion-activated alarms or heat-sensitive cameras?
2: Not that I know of. I haven't been here for years.
3: Will you know which plot it is? His?
2: I've watched his videos. Hopefully I'll recognise it.
3: Oh, here's the gate. Have you got the code?
2: I'll have to climb over it. Do you, uh, think you can make it? Keshi is shimmies up and over the fence with ease.
3: Don't patronise me! Come on! It's not that high.
2: Well, You're used to doing this kind of thing.
3: What makes you think that?
2: Oh, the police are constantly trying to chase you away from the docks at Milford Haven, aren't they? You must jump over fences like
3: this on a daily basis. Oh, come on, champ. You can do it. I'll help you down. Don't worry.
2: Don't patronise me.
3: You all right? Easy. Yeah. Just like you said. This place is huge huge. Not many of the plots seem to be numbered. That one is 42. but the one opposite is
2: 9. There was probably a logic to it at some point. There's no logic to anything. Everything I understood yesterday, because it had a a shape I could recognise and a form that made sense to me, is now utterly changed, reduced to ruin and chaos. turned out that my world was made of glass, and it has shattered into a thousand pieces. At the far end of the track is a plot that appears completely different to the one surrounding it. Most of those we pass are bare or covered in the straggly remains of desiccated weeds. This one is relatively green. An oasis in an otherwise largely barren desert. There it is. I recognise the ivy-covered archway from the title sequence on his video channel.
3: Wow. It's got a wind turbine. He was proud of that. Oh, it Looks in much better shape than most of the others.
2: Maybe he really did spend all his spare time here.
3: Um, Through the arch, yeah?
2: In reality, he had no understanding of spare time. He could only be on or off, like a hoover or a microwave.
3: There's produce actually growing here. Look, parsnips, winter greens. Still looking healthy despite the drought.
2: Yeah, he built an underground storage system to collect rainwater. Completely natural, no plastics. Lined it all himself with clay. Uh, Everything's irrigated from there by an automated system powered by energy from the turbine. Or uh, so he told me. Smart. uh, Smart, connected, sustainable, just like Harland. Oh, look, he left his spade on the compost heap. That will come in handy. The shed has a hefty padlock, but the door itself is loose and ill-fitting. The spade fits neatly into the crack between door and frame. The wood splits and cracks when I force it and the door swings open.
3: Let's hope it wasn't remote alarmed.
2: We step inside and I pull the door closed. Garden tools of every description hang from hooks on the walls. A potting bench at the far end is scattered with homemade plant containers made from intricately folded pieces of paper. On the back of the door hangs a ragged overcoat and battered felt trilby.
3: What are you hoping to find here? I don't know.
2: Something that might explain what's happening to me.
3: Nice hat.
2: He wore that in all his videos. And the coat. Well, he only really wore that if it was cold. Another pretense. As if he really had any idea of the difference. I take the hat from her, hold it close to my face and smell it. It doesn't smell of anything. It's like it's brand new. I try it on. What do you think, huh? Does it suit me?
3: Hey, hey, come here.
2: And I dissolve into uncontrollable
3: tears. (sighs) Why am I peeing like this? You've had a shock. You're in shock. I've been persuaded to believe totally in a lie. Why did I do that? Why? It's okay. (laughs) It'll be okay. Look out there
2: at the plants. Everything is so carefully nurtured. As if he was capable of caring, able to love. Take some deep breaths. Oh, I am a fool. I am the biggest fool that ever lived. And that bastard, he was the one who fooled me. You Hey, come up.
3: One of us is going to get hurt if you're throwing things around.
2: For a moment I want to hurt myself, I want to hurt Keshia, anyone, I want someone else to have to bear the pain I am feeling. Most of all I want to hurt him, but he can't be hurt, he can't feel anything. Then a terrifying image comes to mind. Hair mask, stabbing Bob without the slightest flinch. He is a carbon copy of me in every respect, except he has no conscience. This is my deepest fear, that somewhere deep down I am like him or he is like me. Kessia keeps a steadying hand on my back, and slowly I return to my senses.
3: Are you feeling better now? Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't apologise. It's not surprising.
2: I feel like such an idiot. I mean, we didn't get along. I always found him distant and cold even, but... You know, I just thought he was emotionally stunted like any other normal man. I'm actually beginning to wonder if he was even in my life before Mum died. I have no memory of him from then. Well, you were young. You might not remember. I was seven when she died. He should be there when I think about birthdays or holidays, and he's not. What if he killed her? You
3: said she died of heart failure. Yeah, That's what I was told, but who's to say that's true? You're sounding a bit paranoid. You could be in danger. You're sounding extremely paranoid. Fordingbridge is obsessed with the Hare Witches. He believes they'll bring about an apocalyptic
2: event. He has a Jesus complex. He wants to be the one to save the world from them. I'm not a witch. Dan, you're projecting. How do you explain the dream? Sarah's name coming to you. There's a reason Fordingbridge sent Morris to the hospital to get you. It's all connected. Yeah, maybe
3: it is, but we don't know how. Should we tidy up a bit and get out of here?
2: Maybe we should. It doesn't take long to straighten everything out. When everything's back in its right place, I pause for a moment for a final look. All good. I notice the doors to the little uh, cubbyhole housing a speaker system are open. I just need to shut those. Every video he made started with him listening to the news and and the bulletin would finish and he'd close the little doors and start talking to the camera.
3: What were his videos about? Uh, The
2: channel name was Plot Squad, Uh, mostly gardening advice, soil health and practical tips to help the viewer prepare for the collapse of civilization. I reach up above the potting bench to close them and as I do, I notice a small trigger switch tucked away out of sight next to the speakers. Well secret door. Access to the water system, I suppose. She pulls at the handle and a hatch in the shed floor eases itself free of a watertight seal. When the hatch is fully open, we peer into a black empty space below. A ladder attached to the lip of the opening falls away beneath us into the gloom.
3: Are you going first, or am I?
2: As I descend into the pit... Motion-sensitive lighting dutifully reacts to my presence, and spotlights illuminate a tiny room.
3: What's down there?
2: Come and see for yourself.
3: Well, it's not water storage, that's for sure. Uh, I see why he needed that wind turbine now. If he'd been a man, I guess this would have been his man cave.
2: Uh, That looks like his charging point wonder he was here all the time. He was mostly topping up his batteries.
3: Oh, there's something in the wall opposite. It's a shutter. Look.
2: She reaches out and unclips a fastening. The shutter drops down to reveal a flat, digital screen set into the wall opposite his charging point.
3: He must have watched stuff on this while he was recharging. That's probably when
2: he edited his videos. He could lean across and touch the screen without unplugging. I lean over and brush my hand across the <laughs> opaque black screen to demonstrate. Instantly it comes to life. A succession of images scroll past. Each one a live feed from a security camera. I recognise the rose garden and the war room from the manor house. Each image lingers for ten seconds or so before scrolling on to the next, just like the security system I used to monitor at the Fordingbridge HQ.
3: Where is this?
2: It's Mr Fordingbridge's manor house.
3: Why does he have a hospital bay in there?
2: The scrolling images change in character from the stately interiors of the main house to a series of sterile-looking rooms containing hospital beds with robotic nurses stationed at the head of them. This series of images ends and we return to the house. We have to wait for the sequence to tick back round again.
3: Uh, It was after this one of the entrance hall.
2: When we get back to the hospital bay, the first camera shows a room containing a nondescript desk and chair facing four identical doors. Ten seconds later... We see inside what appears to be a hospital room. The bed is empty. The second room is exactly the same. In the third room is a small bed with high metal guards set to prevent the occupant from falling out. A baby sleeps peacefully on its back. The robot nurse in attendance strobing the infant with lasers, reading vital signs constantly.
3: Does Fordingbridge have a baby?
2: That's Bluebell. The girl Sarah told me I had to keep safe.
3: How did she get to be in the manor house?
2: When she was taken from me, they told me the child protection team would find a placement for her. The image flicks over again. In the final room, there is someone in the bed. A woman, perhaps. The robot nurse vigilantly attends, as with the baby. Another figure sits in the chair by the bed with their back to the camera, holding the woman's hand.
3: Maybe it's visiting her.
2: Who do you think's in the bed? How would I know? Could it be your aunt?
3: I've never met her. no idea what she looks like. Uh, But it could be. She's in the hospital. I know we didn't find her there yesterday, but I'm sure she is.
2: The images loop through the sequence again until we're back in the room with the visitor. For some reason, a shudder runs down my spine. I remember my mum saying that this meant someone was walking over your grave. I didn't understand it at the time. Now I know that the past, the present and the future can all be in the same place at the same time. (gasps) <gasps> uh, uh, did you see that? What? Uh, just before the image moved on. Did you see it? What are you talking about? The, the visitor. He went glitchy. <sighs> Hair mask. My doppelganger. This is how he appears on film. Glitching in and out as he travels between the worlds.
3: Why are you freaking out? It's probably just a problem with the camera. Wait till it scrolls again.
2: When it finally does, the visitor is gone.
0: This is...
2: Radio Jagger seems to be our best option as a base of operations from which to plan our next move. Some
0: exciting news emerging this morning, in case you haven't heard, is that we finally may be headed for a change in the weather.
2: It's early and we're the only customers in the place. I'm in a daze sitting at our usual table, sipping the mediocre coffee.
0: Holland, after the most intense, prolonged period of drought in the region since records began, the meteorological seers are saying that a deep low is forming over the Atlantic and rain. Yes, rain, people, may be on the way at last. More detail on that after this tune from Back to the Grindstone.
2: <laughs> Can I have the burner? Why? I- I'm going to call Sadie, make sure she's okay. She passes me the phone. Sadie picks up after a couple of rings.
3: You shouldn't be calling me.
2: I was worried.
3: I'm fine, but I've been suspended. They know I used the ultra-bump without a warrant.
2: What happened to the... uh, to my dad's body?
3: I don't know. They locked the whole area down and took me out of there. Are you okay? Uh, I'm in a bit of a spin. I can't help you anymore. I'm sorry. I hope you get some answers. Uh, Sadie? Yeah?
2: Thank you for caring about
3: Sarah. I did what I could. It's up to you now. Oh, no. Please? Yes.
0: It's written all over him. Has he seen me? Yes, he oh. has seen you. Good morning, Mr Goldman. Good morning, DCI Cummings. Mind if I join you? Have, be my guest. Uh, Who's your friend?
3: My name's El.
0: I read in your file, Mr. Goldman, that you were keeping company with a woman called Kay. Must be your sister. Oh, must be. Dear I... Shukri has been signed off sick for a few days, so I'm picking up her caseload. I hope she'll be okay. She'll be fine. What happened? We're still trying to establish that. All the recording in that area was shorted out, so there's no visual record. An illegal stun prod was recovered at the scene. It had been discharged shortly before officers arrived. Thankfully, no one was injured being examined to see if any DNA can be recovered. I see. This is an interesting place, isn't it? Old school, no cameras or anything. Good place to keep your head down. I suppose it is. The hospital, of course, is bristling with surveillance. The cameras in the room where the stun prod was used malfunctioned, but there is some very clear footage of a male that I believe may well be you, running through the foyer, brandishing what appears to be a weapon Now, if your DNA were found on that weapon when combined with the CCTV, that would make compelling evidence, wouldn't you say? Let's just get this over with. I'll come with you. Your friend comes too. She hasn't done anything. If you cooperate, things will go your way. The investigation will prove inconclusive. You can go back to your lives.
3: Cooperate how?
0: Someone wants to meet you. Darius Fordingbridge. (laughs) No way is she coming. I've got four uniforms stationed outside. Let's not make a scene. DCI
2: Cummins sits up front in the self-drive squad car as we travel across Harland in complete silence. He keys in the access code at the manor house with casual familiarity. This clearly isn't his first visit. Code accepted. Welcome to the manor house. Up the long gravel drive and through the patches of woodland until the magnificent facade of the house is finally revealed. The car rolls to a halt by the flight of dark stone steps that lead up to the main entrance. Dom Rob is waiting to greet us.
0: Good morning, Daniel. Welcome back to the manor house. Mr. Fordingbridge wishes me to inform you that he is delighted to have your presence here again. Where is he? He will greet you in person shortly. Please, come inside.
2: What about me? Mr. Fordingbridge is most eager to make your acquaintance, madam. He
0: hopes you might accept an invitation to stay. A room has been prepared for you. If you would like to accompany me, I will take you there. Don't go anywhere
3: without me. It's fine, Dan. I can look after myself. Um, we need to get in there somehow. Much better to be invited.
2: Dom Rob leaves us waiting in an ornate drawing room off the main entrance hall. The doors slide open and Fordingbridge hovers in.
4: Good morning. Thank you for agreeing to join me here. You didn't have a huge amount of choice. What you inadvertently discovered yesterday must have been painful. I wanted to try and explain. You can try. Let me read you something. Okay. The flood, the fire, the storm. The death shudders of everything that once was. The murder gathers to bear witness. To share in the horror and the beauty of the end. The end should be beautiful. What's that? An extract from the vision of St. Melangus. The prophecy I told you about. What does it mean? They say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In other words, it is completely subjective. My idea of beauty is progress which has been the trajectory of humanity since the dawn of time undoubtedly the visionary who composed this prophecy had something quite different in mind
2: everything's going to end that's the prophecy
4: i hope not for us all we were on the cusp of a great leap. forwards, an opportunity to leave behind many of our frailties and limitations by moulding ourselves into a new hybrid form, combining the best of biology and the best of technology to create something beyond nature. If you had discovered all of that potential was at risk, wouldn't you have taken steps to keep that risk at bay, as I did? How far would you go? I am trying to illustrate that I have been fighting a war, Daniel, with the intention of saving all this, our way of life. Inevitably, there have been casualties. You now number among them because of what you have learned. I am truly sorry for that. What happened to my mum? Was she murdered? No, she was not. I don't believe you. Speak. To Morris. Morris? Yes. He's here, in the repair bay. He can easily be powered up. His voice won't sound quite as you're used to hearing it. The charge from the stun prod did some damage to his vocal synthesizer, which is an extremely sensitive piece of kit. Speak to him now.
3: Go on, Dan, you have to.
2: I leave Keshia in the drawing room and follow Fordingbridge as he leads the way down the passage towards the war room. Opposite is a door I hadn't noticed before. Behind it, a lift, which takes us down one floor. When the doors open, we're in a laboratory. Polished chrome surfaces, bright white light. The table in the centre of the room is covered by a plastic tent with a transparent viewing patch at one end
4: technicians worked on him overnight but there's more to do they're upgrading various components and giving him a thorough clean all that time spent on his allotment has left him really rather grubby on the inside morris is under there the damage he sustained is entirely fixable go and have a look at him
2: nervously i stepped forward and looked down to see my father frozen with no spark of life his eyes unblinking and wide open but cold and dead
4: I'm just booting him up he's disconnected from his body shell at the moment but he can think and speak perfectly well hello Morris can you hear me? loud and clear sir Daniel is here to see you Dan
1: how are you? have you been taking your meds? no you have to. You know what will happen if you don't? They'll put you back inside. Are you
4: programmed to make sure I'm medicated? Yes. Because it is in your best interests. His first directive has always been your well-being. I'm sorry about shooting you yesterday. It was an accident. I didn't really mean
1: to. The damage is entirely repairable. Mr Fordenbridge will have me up and about in no time.
4: I think it best if I leave you... Ask him anything you want. When you wish to come back up, just call for the lift and it will activate it. I hope this interaction will be healing for both of you. Come closer, Dan. Let me see you. My body
1: is currently disconnected. I can't move. Better? Yes.
2: If I ask you questions, are you able to reply honestly?
1: Your well-being is my primary directive.
2: How do you assess what's good for me?
1: It is a complex equation.
2: I want to know what happened to Mum.
1: That was a long time ago.
2: I don't remember you being there when she died.
1: We both shed a lot of tears. And
2: we've had this conversation.
1: Everything I have done has been to protect you.
2: Fordingbridge made you, didn't he? He designed you, he built you, and he programmed you to be my dad. Everything you've done has really been for him.
1: The two things are one and the same. His concern is to maintain what we have. To protect our way of life, the things we love. By definition, that is also in your best interests. What do you love? I love to follow my primary directive.
2: Did Fordingbridge have my mum killed? No. Have you ever killed a person on his behalf? I'm not
1: going to answer that. Jess Clark,
2: Jim Okafor, what about Keshe's aunt, May Tucker?
1: She was safely looked after here for many years.
2: And what happened to her? She died. When?
1: Four days ago. She was very old. There was the time.
2: <sighs> Where is the hospital wing in the manor house? I've seen footage, hospital beds, there's a baby in one. Is it Evie Bennett's baby? Yes. I saw someone in the other room visiting the patient in there. glitchy man hair mask.
1: That's impossible. There are security measures that would prevent any unauthorised access.
2: I'm telling you, I saw him.
1: In the room with the second patient?
2: Yes. <coughs> What's the matter?
1: I should go there to provide protection.
2: You can't move. Let me go.
1: Mr Fordenbridge would not approve...
2: Well, I'm going to go there anyway, and you can't stop me with a deactivated body.
1: You'll come to harm.
2: Which is, uh against my best interests.
1: Son, I've always cared about you.
2: You're programmed. You're not actually feeling anything.
1: I think I am. (laughs) Whatever. Look, I agree that it would be better for you to access the infirmary space without hindrance. I've saved the necessary permissions on a removable plug-in. If you look inside my neck, you will see it flashing. Take it plug it into dom rob his port is on the right hand side of his face behind the ear he will escort you there and disable the security on your behalf thank you then uh, yes i want to say i love you Ah, oh, but please don't then i'll just say take care
3: this way sir I was not aware this
2: floor
0: of the house even existed. Oh, quite the adventure. Thank you again for enabling me to access all areas. I'm learning a lot. There should be a flight of stairs behind this door.
4: Shall I proceed? Yes, please.
2: Dom Rob sets off up the previously forbidden staircase and I follow. Lights flicker on as we ascend the spiraling stairs. At the top, I arrive in the area outside the four rooms that we saw earlier on the security footage in the shed. Open in the, the doors.
0: doors. I have only been given permission to open one of them. What? There is a clear instruction. Open the fourth door only. Do it then.
2: Dom Rob is moving towards the door when it opens unbidden. A sense of confusion engulfs him. Mr. Dan, this is most unusual. I step forward to deal with the impasse. A man is standing in the doorway. Cold fear drains down my spine. His eyes are lifeless, heartless, cruel, each one with the gravitational pull of a malevolent black hole. His eyes are my eyes. Hair mask.